to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Uh, glad that we could be together again. And so welcome. And uh, just in terms of the topic before us tonight in James, James chapter 3, I was sitting thinking about the, the wonderful privilege we have in the ability to speak. And uh, speak and, and teach and uh, communicate one with another. And then the added privilege and benefit, the blessing that we have uh, in technology these days, that we can actually make use of this technology to be able to speak and, and, and communicate far and wide. And so just thanking God for every good gift that he does give and that we're able to participate and enjoy in. So let me uh, just commit our time uh, to the Lord and uh, an acknowledgement again that apart uh, from the Lord, we can do no good thing. And Father, we pray to this end this evening. Uh, we can speak, we can act, we can do many things. But Lord, unless you build a house, we labor in vain. And so even as we come this evening, very, Lord, specifically acknowledging our own need as individual people, those of us who are believers of you, your continued work in us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the presence of your Spirit. Uh, thank you for his work in conviction, in comfort, in control, in, in being our counselor. And just witnessing even with our own spirit that we are your children, that you are our Father. And so we do pray for much blessing tonight. And Lord, guiding us, directing us, continuing to mold us into uh, the likeness, the moral likeness of Jesus, we pray. Asking this in his name and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. So do turn with me tonight, and it's James chapter 3, making some good progress now in this uh, little book. Uh, James writing uh, to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. And having tackled quite a number of issues, and I think we've been going fairly slowly, but uh, definitely an overall theme that flows through this book in James seeking to, to really emphasize the point that uh, in spite of uh, salvation being by faith alone, uh, faith is never alone. There's always fruit that results. And, and we're going to be looking at an area uh, this evening that I think is very, very applicable in the context of, of any community, but I think very specifically in, in the life of the church. I, I perhaps even would kind of classify it uh, as, as a subtle sin, uh, something that uh, we, we perhaps don't even think to be that serious, but yet has uh, devastating and can have devastating uh, consequences. But let's read the passage from verse 1, and we're going to go down to verse 12. Uh, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze uh, by such a small fire. 
and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile, sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt, a salt pond, yield fresh water. So just so far, again, just the reading um, of the word and uh, uh, introduce this uh, topic tonight, a description I found. Uh, there is a, a muscle in the body that receives more exercise. In case you're a person who thinks you don't exercise, well, this particular muscle does get lots and lots of exercise every day. Uh, in fact, every wake, wakening hour. But unfortunately, in spite of all the exercise, sometimes less control of this muscle than any other muscle in the body. The muscle weighs approximately 125 grams. It is made up, of course, of the muscle that I've referred to, but there's also uh, a mucous membrane and, and a bunch of nerves that, that help you to, to chew and, and also to taste and, and to swallow. But the real issue that I want to address this evening, and I find James addressing in this passage, this little muscle gives you the ability to speak your mind. That's a phrase that we often use uh, sometimes in, in a, 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 a rage or, or some kind of spirit of anger and, and we, we think to ourselves or we say to someone else, I'm going to speak my mind and let somebody have a piece of my mind. But we do that, we do that using this muscle. And of course the muscle is the tongue. And so speaking your mind um, is the issue that we want to think about tonight. And we're going to look at it, as James does in this passage, in two different ways. In the first instance, we are going to see, as we begin just to pick up the topic, I've entitled the passage, The Mighty Tongue, and of course it's those first uh, 12 verses. But the very first point I'm wanting to make is the useful power of the tongue. And so, very, very important. And and I'm thinking of us as believers uh, God giving us uh, various gifts and abilities, our bodies, and, and thinking very specifically about the tongue tonight and, and impressing upon your mind as we look at these next verses how useful and wonderfully the tongue can be used uh, in the context of our lives with other people and, and even toward God as uh, uh, we worship and come before Him. So the point that James makes as he begins to, to speak about this issue is in spite of the smallness of its size, 125 grams, the tongue has amazing power. This mighty tongue can be seen to be, and here's a description, a controlling instrument of your life and your behavior. Your tongue expresses, and in what it expresses it in fact is 
an indication, a description, and a, a comprehensive description of the kind of conduct that is flowing from your life. Now, the correct use of the tongue, and that's the first issue that James raises over here, the correct use of the tongue is a powerful force for good. And I'm going to look at some uh, examples and illustrations a little bit later, just to remind you of some things we just take for granted, but how this little muscle, how we can use it for uh, really a powerful tool for good. Um, he raises two illustrations to help us understand this fact, and, and these, of course, were illustrations that would have been uh, uh, very familiar to his hearers uh, back in the day as he writes his letter to these 12 tribes of the dispersion. So in verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So think about a horse. Uh, we're, of course, a um, technological society. Uh, not many of us are exposed to farms and horses and horse riding and uh, just the way of horse riding and, and the way that uh, horses <coughs> are bro broken in and, and the way uh, a horse is directed. Well, the point that James is making is that a horse is a very powerful, very powerful creature. And so this, this surging power of a hot-headed horse is what we could perhaps have in our minds. This strong animal can be brought under control by the tiny use of a piece of metal called a bit that is placed in the mouth of a horse. Now exactly it works, I don't know, but I I have seen it and and uh, placed in the horse's mouth, and the the horse can be directed. The use of the bit in the mouth uh, is 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 uh, illustrated over here to make the point that a large and potentially unruly force can be subdued, can also be redirected, turn to the left, turn to the right. It can be halted or it can be sent forward. Uh, by a relatively small piece of equipment. So get the point that James is making. The tongue is small, and yet it can be used for mighty good things, wonderful good things, great good things. Then he uses a second illustration, really makes a similar point in verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, that still applies today as far as I understand it. These massive tankers that you see out at sea with literally hundreds of containers, uh, those ships leaving Durban Harbor and moving uh, around the world or coming into Durban Harbor, they are directed uh, on the seas, yes, by probably strong diesel or electric engines these days, not so much by the winds, but rudder, the rudder, directs the movement of the ship. And so we could maybe think, and I did wonder if there are any illustrations that we could come up with uh, today where you have something small uh, that has a huge influence on something much more powerful. And one of the illustrations I thought of was uh, a power steering on a motor car, where uh, just with one finger, you can direct a powerful car uh, because of that particular 
power steering uh, having uh, its its ability. So here's the point, verse five. So also the tongue is a small member, like the bit in a horse's mouth, like the rudder of a ship, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue, and let's think about this now practically, the tongue used in the right way can make all the difference for good. Now, I want to go back to what I said at the beginning, this general theme, and we're going to see it at the end of this passage as well today, is salvation is by faith alone, but faith is never alone. And so there ought to be fruit. There ought to be some evidence. That's what we looked at last time of of genuine faith. And we are being challenged, and, and I believe those of us in the church really need to take note that the tongue, the tongue is an indicator. And, and the way we use the tongue as believers ought to be for good and not for evil. And yet so often, so often we can get caught up in the wrong use of the tongue, which we'll get to just now. But, but the context of real faith having accompanying action as evidence of true faith. And so in our ministries, in our lives, in our families, how do we use the tongue? Strong winds blow a ship, of course, and uh, we face many pressures in the context of life in, in, in different ways, whether it be in the context of, of the home, the family, the marriage, uh, parenting, or, or, or even being parented, uh, in the context of, of the church where there can be different opinions, uh, sometimes uh, in a context of a community where there are extremely difficult people who force are forceful in having their own way. Um, how, how do we use our tongues? How do we use tongues, for example, to diffuse conflict in the context of a marriage? A husband and a wife, or perhaps even a parent and a child. And there are differences and, and there are arguments and, and the, the matter can't be settled. And, and how is the tongue used? Is the tongue used to, to, to lessen the emotional build up or is the tongue used uh, to, 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 to fire up uh, emotions and, and conflict escalates and, and relationships become dysfunctional and people end up hating each other simply because of what has been said. I do remember, I do remember some many years ago, just this thought uh, came into my mind is uh, words, one can ask for forgiveness. And in some senses, we often say, yes, we can take our words back. But the illustration that I remember being taught as a young person way back uh, at the Resettenville Church is if you take a pillow filled with down feathers and you cut that pillow open and you scatter those down uh, feathers and let them blow in the wind and, and just fall over the place out and about and around the neighborhood. And then in some silly manner, think that you can actually go and find every one of those little duck down feathers. It's not possible. You'll never retrieve them all. And, and that's, that's the difficulty. That's the difficulty with us not using our words, not using our tongue for good. When our, when our tongues are used for good, 
then we will find that there isn't a need to take words back. There isn't a need to ask for forgiveness. There isn't a need to, to end up going a, to, 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 to be going for, for, for counseling because of the need to uh, resolve conflict. With, with the good use of the tongue, we, we, we can end up uh, communicating effectively in the relationships we have. With the good use of the tongue, we can end up encouraging one another in the tone that we use. In the words that we choose, are they gentle, are they kind, are they compassionate, are they words that communicate love and, and kindness. And so the, the, the usefulness, the, the, the wonderful usefulness of the tongue, nothing, nothing uh, really beats a kind word spoken at an appropriate time. And, and, and so we need to give thought to that. How can you, how can I, in the words that we speak, in the, in, in the use of our tongue, because it's not really the muscle, and that's merely just the instrument that, that, that we use that, that, that produces the sound that, that enables us to articulate words. But, but what words are we using? How do we use our tongue? Do we use it for good or do we use it for evil? Are we involved in, in criticism? Are we involved in slander, unnecessary slander, picking up stompies, bits and pieces, uh, juicy bits of information that we spread about others and, and hurting others, sometimes not even them being aware of it. And I really want to urge us to think about how we could use the tongue for good. Starting rumors, perpetuating rumors, uh, becoming negative and driving our, ourselves in, in self-talk down spirals of of, of depression and, and despondency. It's not what is honoring to God, and it's not which ought to come from a heart that has been changed by God. So God is saying to us, you can use your tongue for good. You ought to use your tongue for good. And the tongue is the rudder that, can, that you can hold your life on course and keep yourself on a godly course. But of course the passage goes on. And uh, there is the second element. Uh, not only the useful power of the tongue. And I've already alluded to this with some examples. But there is the destructive potential of the tongue. The tongue, the tongue has enormous potential for harm. Uh, we, we have said so often growing up. And, and I remember in the family with a bunch of siblings. Sticks and stones uh, can break my bones, but, but words never can. Well, that's not true, because we remember, even 40 years, 50, 60 years ago, we, we remember unkind words, unkind use of the tongue uh, hurting us. And, and so James makes the point in, in verse 5, uh, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And uh, yes, uh, we are exposed or we hear news, especially from down in Cape Town when there are these forest fires on, on Table Mountain. And uh, those fires are often just started by somebody throwing a match out of a window or uh, discarding a cigarette stompy and, and the very small fire ends up uh, and escalates to such a place where the whole mountain is, is on fire, uh, causing causing horrible, horrible destruction. And, and, and so the negative, destructive potential of the human tongue 
is illustrated for us in, in, in this next passage. And James makes four observations, and I'm going to touch on each one of them briefly and just look at some of these uh, points that I've called them uh, uh, just uh, observations about the tongue. And we're going to start at the beginning of verse 6. And the first is the character of the tongue, its character. And the tongue is a fire, already alluded to, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members. Small, small instrument of the body. And the tongue is available and sadly very often used for evil. But it's not isolated evil. That, that's the point of, 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 of him, of him uh, uh, pointing out uh, the destructiveness of a fire that grows into a raging forest fire. And, and, and so uh, one author put it like this. The world around you is in a state of war. A war in which the tongues chatter like machine guns and slander flies like mortar bombs between the entrenched prejudices of hardened hearts. So the character of the tongue can be such that it only causes hardship and difficulty and unrighteousness and evil. He continues in the same verse. He speaks of the tongue staining the whole body. It doesn't remain in one place. It stains the whole body. I don't know if you found that when you have said something that you shouldn't have said and afterwards you feel dirty, it, it affects your entire person and your being. And, and that's something of what James is saying to us over here. The influence of the tongue is not isolated. When the tongue is used as an organ of sin, it pollutes the whole personality. Positively, it's used, yes, we've spoken of that, uh, to do good and control. But negatively, negatively, it results in defilement. It stains the personality. And let us not forget that it also provokes the wrath of God. Thirdly, there are consequences. Still with verse 6, setting on fire the entire course of life. What? kinds of things happen as a result of the destructive use of the tongue. I've made a list over here. I'm sure that you can uh, think of many as well. And, and yes, in the first instance, we need to see that the tongue can spread heresy. It can spread error. And instead of uh, propagating the truth of God as given to us uh, in Scripture, all Scripture being God-breathed from uh, <clears throat> having its authority and, and its inerrancy and and, and, and yet there are those who use their tongues to undermine the truth of God's word and to propagate error, leading many people astray, not only in what they believe, but maybe even leading them astray to the eternal destruction. The tongue does that. There are those who have uh, opted for a liberal theology. There are those who have opted for a distorted gospel. There are those who have opted for a, a gospel that, uh, that is diluted or um, uh, is, is, is added to and leading people astray. Horrible destruction, eternal consequences. We also find that uh, the tongue kindles strife. 
uh, normally speaking, uh, in, in a conversation where things begin to go wrong and conflict begins to emerge, uh, the best form of defense is attack. And, and so when one unkind word is spoken or an attack is leveled against someone else, then the other person tends to react in similar fashion. And so uh, conflict and strife uh, is uh, introduced and, and, and often perpetuated in, in the ongoing context of that relationship. It can also inflame passion. And what I mean by that is a certain word spoken uh, can bring about anger. Uh, it can even bring about violence. Uh, I'm sure you've seen road rage uh, from time to time in the traffic and uh, uh, people using all sorts of bad language and terrible hand signs and, and, and coming about because of something said to them or unkind word shouted at them. Uh, just today I was sitting at my desk and uh, preparing Sunday's message and my phone peeped and I had a look and uh, it was someone just down the road reporting that they'd heard gunshots. There had been a cash in transit. In fact, it was underway uh, just down the road from us off the Rousseau Street uh, off-ramp. And uh, I heard later on in the day that it was an orchestrated event with multiple uh, vehicles involved. And uh, I thought, how does that happen? How does that happen? How do people actually get together and organize in a syndicated way, uh, planning to to take a, a cash-in-transit vehicle out on a national highway? Well, they must have sat down and used their tongues for destructive purposes, for evil purposes. And then, very sadly, sometimes the tongue is used as a means of division in the local church. And uh, I'm so glad that at Central, certainly for many years now, we've had a happy church, a united church. But I have seen it. I have seen it where individuals come and they use the tongue to undermine the unity of a church and begin to slander and to criticize and bring about uh, lobbying on particular issues. And, and, and it's not long. And the church is divided and, and soon forgets its purpose in glorifying God and making disciples and getting on with the work of God. So the tongue, destructive words, there are consequences. I'm trying, and I've dwelled on this point because we need to see the consequences are dire. They, 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 they are undesirable. They're not pleasing to God. They provoke, uh, I think, the, the, the wrath of God, but also grieving the Spirit of God. There is another uh, aspect to the tongue, and I've called it its root. The tongue set on fire by hell. Now, I think James is using that description because, remember, he's dealing with issues over here regarding the fruit of being a genuine believer, the fruit of having genuine faith leading to the good use of the tongue. But if that fruit is not present, then that which is coming from within is actually from darkness. It's from the devil. It's from hell. That's, that's where it comes from. That's where unrighteousness originates. That's where evil uh, comes from. That's the source of, 
of all the brokenness and dysfunction and ugliness that we see in the world. So the fuel for the tongue essentially comes from hell. The devil stokes the fire. When your lips are unclean, they speak for Satan. Just consider that next time you are thinking about slandering or undermining or dividing or shouting in anger. You're speaking, you're speaking on behalf of Satan and his cause. Which does lead to an important implication. James goes back to the issue, okay, well, what's the way forward? And, and the only way I could put this is we need God's help. And, 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 and it's, it's ongoing help. Why do, we need God, why do we need God's help? Well, there's a problem, and I, uh, James calls it the untamable tongue. So verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I mean, you go to the circus, and you see the way that uh, a lion uh, follows the instruction of a man, or an elephant uh, listens to uh, uh, his instructor or her instructor, as well, but James says in verse 8, But no human being can tame the tongue, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You may have all sorts of wonderful talents and abilities and intelligence, but the tongue is described for us as a restless evil, always ready to lash out. Remember where we started? Always ready to speak its mind or speak, we speak our minds. An indication. What is it an indication of? Of the sinful nature. It's an indication of the hard heart. It's an indication of that which is uh, uh, opposed to God, preferring lesser things rather than God. And so the untamable tongue really points to the need of salvation. And, and salvation, we often, so often, only think of salvation in terms of access into heaven. And yes, it is that. And, and very importantly, it is about a right standing with God, justified by faith. Yes, it, it is crucial. But salvation also involves, as Jesus indicated to Nicodemus, the need to be born again, the need to be born from above. And so there's a spiritual change that takes place when someone experiences genuine salvation. The heart of stone is, is replaced by a, a heart of flesh. There's a, the, a new creature in Christ. These are just some of the words that the apostle and, and of course, Jesus uses uh, that we find in, in, in the Bible. We, we need to recognize that there is a need. And, and James goes on and he says, well, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence, the proof. My next point, the inconsistencies of the tongue. Verse 9, with it, this is what we do with the tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. He's pointing out there's a contradiction here. There's an inconsistency here. There's a contradiction. One minute praising God and, and exalting God and, and the next minute uh, slamming and breaking down somebody made in the image of God. And so James bluntly, bluntly says, verse 10, My brothers, my sisters, these things ought not to be so. 
What is the challenge? The challenge is those of us who claim to be Christians should not, we ought not, we must not speak with this inconsistency. I, I find so often this kind of thing happening. And, and, and the temptation, even in my own life, I've, I've seen it. Uh, in one instance, to be praising God, and another instance, to be issuing uh, negativity and destruction from the tongue uh, regarding somebody else. The good words that we speak don't redeem the bad words. They don't outweigh, the good don't outweigh the bad the point being made is that there is a deeper problem that needs to be resolved and it is a sin problem. In some instances, it's the need to be converted or saved, to be born again in the first instance, to become a true believer. Uh, but in other instances, it might be part of the process of sanctification. If you are a true believer, uh, the the growth in your righteousness uh, determined by the way, uh, the better way you're using your tongue compared to the way you used it last year or the year before. And, and in verse 11, um, verse 12, James elaborates. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Of course not. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so in the same way, the point that he's driving home is that an unconverted or hard heart cannot consistently produce good from the tongue. And the opposite is also true. The converted or tender heart toward God must surely grow and produce good from that tongue and not evil. And so therefore for the unconverted, for those of us, and, and, and I'm adding in here the need for, 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 for being uh, transformed in, in, our, in our walk of righteousness, uh, subjecting ourselves, the tongue being tamed uh, as, as we work, as the Spirit of God works in us as believers, uh, subjecting ourselves to the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I've just jotted down a couple of practical steps. First one is this. It's the issue that James raises right at the beginning of the passage, which makes me very nervous personally. Because he says there, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so the caution to those of us who are teachers and preachers be sure, be sure you're not using the 7 o'clock live streaming session on a Wednesday night to propagate lies. Be sure that you don't stand up on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 and preach heresy. Don't lead people astray. You are going to be held accountable by God. I am going to be held accountable uh, by, uh, by God. We ought to be sure of our, 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 our understanding of truth. We ought to spend time, a lot of time in preparation. So we're not just waffling and, and, and spreading nonsense uh, around 
in, in the world today. Those uh, who presume to be teachers, we will be held accountable. So my first point is a caution, and I'm addressing that to myself. Uh, don't just wing it. Be prepared. Be sure that you are teaching the truth that God has preserved for us down through the years in the Scriptures. The second point I'd like to make uh, just in these practical steps is know yourself. Know yourself. Know that even as a believer, if you are claiming to be a believer, that there still is a problem with remaining sin in your life. And so guard your heart and guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. Seek the cleansing, the forgiveness of God, but pursue holiness. Pursue sanctification. Don't be tempted to go down the road of using your tongue in a destructive and an ungodly and evil way. As an aside, isn't it true that that approach uh, comes about more often than not if our focus is on removing the log in our own eye before we scratch around for splinters in the eyes of other people? I, I find that it's, it's so easy to take the spotlight off ourselves by giving attention to the faults that other people have. But instead, look at ourselves. You look at yourself, I look at myself. Lord, what is it in my life that needs changing? I don't need to spread uh, rumors and slander and criticism about someone else. Next one. This matter requires that we get involved in prayerfulness. We really need to seek the help of God. Praying for sanctification, praying for the use of our tongue in a wise and godly way. Uh, asking God, enable us to be filled with the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. To discipline ourselves, uh, I see... Um, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, he wraps this thing up. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. Oh, I need to say that again. Such as is good for the building up, building up as fits the occasion, not that which breaks down and, and is destructive, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, that doesn't mean sugary sweetness. That's something else, topic perhaps for another day. Falsity in conversation is not what James is, is speaking of here, over here. There are times, there are times, and, and there's a proverb that speaks to this, that the uh, kisses of an enemy are profuse, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. But it's, it's important when you are speaking as a friend, and you are speaking some kind of correction to that friend, the tone of voice that you use, the context of the relationship that is present, is it one of support and compassion? Is it one that has demonstrated a real concern and, 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 and this proof of a true friendship? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so really I'll conclude tonight. 
challenge to all of us, use your tongue powerfully for good, for the glory of God. And so just one more slide, and it's the slide with a couple of questions on. And uh, if you'd like, you can uh, just take a, a, a photograph of that with your cell phone. Uh, if you're in a group, these questions may be useful. If not, I would encourage you to think about them in your own quiet time in response to this study tonight. So thank you for joining me. God bless. I look forward to next week. Let me pray as we conclude. Lord, thank you for your word that is always so practical and so direct and so honest. And I confess, Lord, that my own life, I need growth, uh, constant uh, growth in the way that I use my tongue. And I pray this for my uh, fellow brothers and sisters, that they too, Lord, uh, understand the need. And, and Lord, even praying for someone tonight who has a hard heart, that you would bring about in their lives uh, an understanding of the need of salvation to begin this process of sanctification. But may we, Lord, even resolve tonight that the first person or people that we see tomorrow, that we would speak to them in an encouraging and kind way, uh, building them up to the glory of your name. So thank you for each one. Thank you for tonight. Continue with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.